have that moment with him. We're going to continue tonight with the overcomers. Um, we'll get a little off track next week. Sister Susie, you'll have service next Sunday night for missions. And we're going to take communion Sunday morning. So we won't get the full-fledged thing Sunday morning as far as the message goes. We'll follow what the leading of the Lord gives us. Obviously, we always want to do that, but we're going to take communion. We're going to make it available for everybody that's coming through the doors. It's kind of what this teaching has been on for a bit, to understand and to know about the people that were taking communion and what was the state of them, but it spoke to us or speaks to us in, in other ways, other ways of where we're at as a, as a body of believers, maybe individually. In fact, if you're still breathing, the Lord's working on you. He ain't done yet. Amen? He's still working on us. So tonight, this part, we're going to call it Contagious Spiritual Weakness. Contagious. Just like the Holy Ghost can come in and we can fan the flames. And, you know, he might be working in someone tonight and that blessing comes falling on them and we've seen it before that we come and we fan the flames with our prayers and with our praise to God because of what he's doing. And before long it becomes contagious. Well, it's the same thing on the other side, because remember, the devil is a copycat. He tries to make things seem godly. He tries to take godly things and pervert them, and he's a copycat. That's what he does. So we're going to talk about contagious spiritual weakness tonight. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12 and 25. We're going to read it from a couple different versions just to get the picture. Kenan's on it. He's the man. Did you understand my notes on that back there I made? 1 Corinthians 12 and 25. We're going to hit that in three versions if we can. First one, we're going to do New King James. We're going to do ESV and then the message. The next set of scriptures, we'll use the ESV. And the last set, we're going to use the NIV tonight because just how it reads for us. It's telling us the same thing. We're going to keep it simple, okay? 1 Corinthians 12 and 25 says that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. The ESV reads it this way, that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. The message, I just kind of love this, the way it, it just, it just kind of lays it out there. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Don't sound like it's the same, but in a way, that is exactly what it's saying. The model of our body, the way God designed us, helps us to understand our lives as together as a church, as a body of believers. We're all a little part of it. We're little molecules, if you will. If you go around the world tonight in the churches, Brother John, you're just a molecule. You ain't a finger. You're a molecule. And so am I. And God puts all that together to make the body. Think about how our body parts are essentially connected. Think about this for a moment. 
My big toe is connected to my little finger. Ain't it? It is. My big toe is connected to my little finger. My liver, which sets over here, ain't it sweet? It's on this side, ain't it? My liver, she's the anatomy whiz. It's connected to my knee. It is. My mouth is connected to my spinal cord. All the parts of my body are connected together. And if we look at it in, in this way, no, no part of my body can survive apart from itself. I cut my hand off tomorrow. If somebody don't put it back on and do a good job at it, and God don't touch me, that hand will rot. It won't live. So it's essential that we're together. There we're members of one body. My hand is a member of my body. If one part of my body hurts, the other part hurts, right? Smack you, smash your finger and see what happens. Your other hand will reach over and grab it and try to take care of it because it hurts. If you're sanctified, nothing bad comes out of your mouth. Brother Eddie, we got to check my sanctification a few times last week, didn't we? Doing some work. It was intact, I think. A few times. Oh, it was intact all the time, but it got tested a few times. Don't want y'all to take that the wrong way. If you get the flu virus, which is something that's going around real big right now, it's going to affect us, right? You're going to have aches, and we're going to have pains, you're going to have fever. You might have a sniffly nose, a runny nose, a stuffy nose, a sore throat. Even you can have throwing up, diarrhea with it. It affects your whole body. So my hand ain't over here just loving life when the rest of me has the flu. It hurts too and it don't like it. And so those kinds of things come into play. But on the other hand, if a part of my body gets honor, then all of it rejoices. Now if we look at us as a body of, of Christ, if one of us gets honor, the rest of us shouldn't be jealous. We should be rejoicing. When someone gets saved, we should be rejoicing. When somebody gets a touch from God, we should be rejoicing. Not say, oh, why me? But rejoice because somebody's getting something from heaven that they need at that very moment. And we should be rejoicing. If you don't think I'm telling you the truth, go get you a good massage. It feels good on your back if they're doing your back or whatever. Maybe you go to the chiropractor or something, but the rest of you enjoys it. It feels good. And so we are this body. We as a church are one. Israel, who is our example, was one. And Achan's willful sin affected not just him, but it affected the entire community. You say, well, how in the world does that apply to us? How does that work? For us, well, it does. If one of us gets out here and does stuff we ain't shouldn't be doing and everybody else sees it and it's not right, and even if they don't see it, it affects us as a community. It hurts the body. So let's remember that as we go forward from this day forward. Let's remember that. 
Israel soundly defeated Jericho with no casualties. And a few days later, they were defeated by a much smaller enemy. Why? One man's sin. They were spiritually weak due to sin entering into the camp. Somebody brought it in. And it affected them all. We learned that this morning. Is this what the church at Corinth that we've been reading about was experiencing? Is this what the church in the world right now is experiencing? I believe it is. And that's why I'm teaching this. That's why I want us to get this in our spirits. And that's what we're going to pray about when I get done tonight. Is Lord help this to saturate my spirit. And help me. Yesterday's gone. What matters is from this day forward. If we wake up tomorrow, what matters is from that day forward. So that we can grow. So that the Lord can take us through the paces, if you will. See, communion for these people was an actual meal. For us, it's more of a ceremony. But the real problem was the root of their conduct. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty one, I'm doing ESV on this one, guys. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal, and one goes hungry, and another gets drunk. Let's go down to 29 and 30. We've done read this a couple times the last couple weeks. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. These folks didn't do what we did. They didn't have little crackers that they went to the store and bought. We usually get some uh, matzo bread is what we usually get. And you get to chew on it for a bit and get some grape juice. But these folks actually had a meal. And when they would come together, what was happening was is you had these folks that were getting there early. Kind of like us, you know, we want to get to the restaurant before all the other church people do because we want the freshest chicken and the freshest salad. And not only that, we will make sure they don't run out. And that's what they were doing. Instead of coming in as a united body to give honor to God, to honor to Christ, they were showing up early so they'd get the best seats, get the best meal, gorging themselves. Others said, well, you know what, there's a little extra wine, I'm going to drink some. And some were drunk. The scripture tells me they were using wine at that thing. Don't want to have that argument with you tonight. But they were drunk. So, what happened was, was others were coming in late and they had to starve. They had to go without. They had nothing to receive. And the point is, is these folks came in looking out for number one. And as the body of believers, we should never be looking out for number one. I think there's a place in the Bible that says, think more highly of others than you do of yourself. I think, ain't it? I kind of paraphrased that a little bit. Think more highly of others than you do for yourself. As with Achan, many who were not intentionally disobeying God's instructions suffered due to the actions of a few. And that's a picture that he is painting for us through this, through this message, through this, this thing that we're looking at, is the things that we do affects us as a body. I've got to say that over and over. I need us to get that. 
But let's go look at a similar situation tonight. So we're going to advance in the Word. We're going to do the NIV on the rest of this, guys. 1 Corinthians 5 and 1. It is actually, actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. What is sexual immorality? Fornication. And it has a lot of different forms because he tells us right here, and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. There was something that was going on. One of the biggest ones that's hitting the people in America today is pornography. Fornication. Self-pleasure. Those kinds of things. That is a part of it too. But here he goes on and gets the specific of it. And he says, a man is sleeping with his father's wife. Now, folks, this is a member of the church. That's who he's writing to. And we'll show that here in a minute in the scripture. He's a professed follower of Jesus. And yet this is what is happening. They acknowledged him as a member and they did not address his sin, but rather look the other way. This is why you're weak. This is why those things happen, because we ignore it. We look the other way. Why were they ignoring his behavior? Now, I'm going to say some statements that I wrote down here tonight that I've heard and you've heard, and it'll make sense. Most likely, they didn't want to offend him by confronting his sin. Have we done that? Don't want to offend them. Or we've heard people even say that. Maybe he was an influential person. Maybe he was a popular person. Or could it be he was a huge tither? Maybe they thought that if he left, he wouldn't hear the word of God any longer. Have you heard those? Well, if they leave, then nobody's going to give them the word. What good's that going to do if they don't apply it? What good is it if we don't help them to be able to see? We have to do it in love, by the way. But that don't mean that we ignore it and we don't say anything about it. Maybe they said it's better that he's in our fellowship hearing the gospel than in the world not hearing it at all. You ever heard that? Maybe they were trying to get people back for the next service and confronting him would only hinder that goal. Remember, he's popular probably. Maybe he was popular. So if we make him mad, that's just going to hurt all of his family and all of his buddies, and they ain't even going to come back. And we're trying to get our numbers up. Maybe that's what was going on. Maybe they said, and this is one boy, i tell you, I've heard this one a bunch. Maybe he's a baby Christian. Let's give him time, and maybe he'll eventually get it. Friends, if you don't get it now, it's probably not going to get it later unless somebody shows us. Ain't that what the fellow said? To, to How will I know unless somebody shows me or teaches me or tells me? And that's what our job is as believers, as pastors, as Christians in general. That is our job to make sure that they do get it. We let them know. There has to be no place that they can 
fall into the cracks and maybe not know because they are our responsibility. Every person that is sitting here tonight, every person that is a member of this church is our responsibility. Not pastor's responsibility, our responsibility. Pastor's responsibility is to lead. Pastor's responsibility is to hear from God and give to you. Pastor's responsibility is to hear from God, get it inside of here first, and then get it out. It's our responsibility as a body of believers. I don't care if they're going to this church or another church or wherever they're at. If they claim to be a Christian, if they claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, now we have a responsibility to give truth. Okay, that's what the Bible is teaching us. Look at the instructions that Paul gives them. And remember, all Scripture comes from God. It, is, it, it comes from the whole motive of love. And it might get a little tight. That's okay. Because it happened here. Remember I told you this morning, Paul had the pen. Somebody knows Paul had the pen, but the one doing the talking, the one that was giving the words was God. Look what he says here. And I'm just going to hit the high spots on these particular scriptures. In 1 Corinthians 5, we're still there. We're going to hit 2, 5, 7, and 13 is what we're going to hit. We'll start out in 2. Here's what I highlighted. Put out of your fellowship the man. Now don't that sound extreme? This did come from heaven, right? Put out of fellowship the man. In verse 5, hand this man over to Satan. There's only 13 verses in this, in this chapter. Verse 5, hand this man over to Satan. Verse 7, get rid of the old yeast. Verse 13, expel the wicked person from among you. My goodness, what is this? Isn't that pretty serious business? Ain't that some pretty stern talking coming from God? And he gave it to Paul, and here Paul is. He said, you know, I've been to the third heaven, and I know what's real. Here he comes, guys. I don't like giving it to you, but here it comes. This is what you need to hear. And that's exactly what he was advising these folks to do. Why was he so blunt? I told you this verse this morning in, in, in verse 6. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough or the leavens the whole lump? A little bit comes in and it spreads. It spreads and it spreads quickly. That's exactly what happens. You see, this entire community would be affected, not just the guy. It was going to affect the community of believers. We know that it did because the Corinth church does not exist anymore. It's not around anymore. Does this mean that we... Uh, well, I want you to think of this. I read an article the other day. I don't remember what I was looking up, but it came up to me, and I got to reading all these articles of these people who are homosexuals getting married, and they're ministers. Now, God can save the homosexual. Do I get an amen on that? Because if he can't, we ain't serving the right one. However, somebody missed this part of the Bible. Not only that it says that homosexuality ain't right, they missed the part of the Bible about addressing the situation. What does that do? That's the leaven that comes in. And when that comes in, and it's in the newspapers, and everybody knows, and it's the latest craze, what does that do to the body of believers? It tells them that it's okay. Because God's love. Of course He is love. Yes, He is. 
loves more than anybody you've ever known, and his love is boundless. But also he tells us that's wrong. And he will not accept those things that are wrong. Does this mean that we should prevent anyone from coming into our meetings who is involved in a practiced known sin? Let's read the verses 9 and 10. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexual immoral people. Now, folks, those people that read the Bible, they stop right there. That's the verse they want. They like that one. They like to apply it. And they are not representing God because it's the whole counsel of God. Let's go down to verse 10. Not at all, meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy or the swindlers or the idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. Well, now, who of you is going to leave this world till it's time? Now, if we kill ourselves, that ain't right. We got to stick around and he says. We don't get to check out when we want. We check out when he says. Therefore, we are in this world. We're commanded by Jesus to go into this world and to reach the lost. And that's who they are. Not with a watered-down, limited version of the truth about their spiritual condition. We need to tell it like it is. We need to show it like it is. We do it in love and let the Holy Ghost do His work. And He's the one that changes hearts. We've seen it happen, haven't we? There's testimonies of people that have had those lifestyles and have changed. I don't know if we have it here in our church, but it is in the church somewhere in this world. I know uh, Pastor Semmel in New York City, man, they got a lot of folks up there. They had some wild ways about them, and they're serving in the church. They know what the truth is, and what once was them ain't them no more. They're doing different. And they have the testimony. Why? Well, they showed the love, but they didn't back down from saying, you know what, this is wrong. Regardless of what it is. Regardless of what it is. We're to reach out and to serve unbelievers just as Jesus did, and we do it with truth. The truth is what we give. But it's different, though, to someone who professes to be a believer. Here's where it changes in verse 11. But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or a sister but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Now that sounds pretty intense, doesn't it? Don't that sound intense? But he gives us some reasons here. See, Paul, is, he doesn't want this whole church from suffering while they are supposedly protecting a believer who continues in sin. What happens if, you remember when we had the Ebola thing the other, other year? You remember that? Well, it was a couple years ago, Ebola was in Africa and then it started hitting in America. What did they do? They quarantined people. Why did they do that? To stop the spread of it, to stop an epidemic. If that comes in, what's going to happen? Well, let's take one of my places like back home, you know, where it's the coal fields. You know, they don't have any other industry. If, uh, if something like that got into the coal fields and it started wiping men out that couldn't go to work, that would affect that entire economy. The guy at McDonald's, he wouldn't have a job because the people that was doing business are either dead or they're sick and can't earn money. 
It affects the grocery stores. It affects the entire community. It affects the people that they're giving supplies to because nobody's working to get the coal out of the ground. And so you quarantine when something like that happens. You quarantine it until it gets fixed. That's what happens, and that's exactly what he's talking about here. You see, we, come, we won't come to church or shake hands because we don't want to give somebody our cold. Am I right on that? On the other hand, we won't have the hard conversation in order to save someone from hell. I love you enough, Brother Randy, not to give you the flu, but I don't love you enough to keep you out of hell. That's exactly what happens when we bury it, when we don't confront it, when we don't go against it. That's exactly, exactly what is happening. And then I want to ask you, is that true love? We were talking earlier tonight, you can give 10,000 gallons of soup if you want, but if somebody don't get truth that's going to help them, they're just going to die full. You know what I mean. We talk about it. So it's good that we're out here and we're visiting and, and doing for people. I don't get me wrong. But at some point, at some point, you too, not just Ken, not just the preacher, somebody needs to hear a good word, dose of truth. You can do it in love, and if you've got that relationship, it'll happen. It'll be able to happen. But we're doing nobody any favors. In verse 5, he said, Hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Hand him over to the devil, so that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord. You see, this brother is in danger of being lost forever if he doesn't change. That's why I said a minute ago, supposedly protecting. You ain't protecting nobody when we hide the truth or we're too afraid to go out and give it. We're not protecting anyone, actually, it comes from a self-motivation thing. We're going to get into that a lot deeper down the road in this about what's going on. The one that is in willful sin is in greater danger if not confronted because they will assume right standing with God only to discover that they're lost when it's too late at the day of judgment. Did you understand what I just said? They're in great danger. Because they think everything's good. Hard messages to bring, hard things to bring, but you know what? It's necessary, it's essential for the well-being and the health of the church. Hardships have a way of bringing us to our senses, don't they? I know some people that's having some hardships. They used to be strong with Jesus. Now they ain't doing anything. And they can't figure out why their bucket's got holes in it. It's God doing this and saying, hey, remember me? Let me come in. Hardships are coming. Why God's getting our attention? That's why some of these things come this way. You see the prodigal son, you remember him, right? Got his, got his, got his wealth from his dad, said, give me my inheritance and I'm going to go. And he takes off, becomes a party animal. Squanders everything that daddy gave him. I don't know how much it was. The Bible doesn't say, but it must have been quite a bit because he ran off and thought he was going to be okay the rest of his life. Either that or he was real, real dumb. Thought he was going to go for a long time. He ended up in a pig pen. Eating the slop with the pigs. It took that hardship. It took that moment of him waking up and realizing, 
I'm in a bad place. Now, had his daddy kept sending him money and, 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 and helping him out through these kinds of things, he may probably never would have come home. But it took the hardship, it took the place that he was at to wake him up so that he could see many of us, maybe sitting here tonight, have gone through some hardship times just so God could knock on our door and get our attention. Oh, how easily, though, we sometimes forget what God was doing for us and then we stick him on the back burner. And that's whenever guys like me get to come and have those conversations. Maybe from the pulpit. Maybe it happens that way. Maybe it happens in a conversation one-on-one across the coffee table or at the, at the dinner table. However it happens, that's what we all should be doing. Because we, we, we have to look out for our brothers because it affects us. It affects us as the body. We've clearly seen over the last few messages that we've done that we are one body in Christ. And as a body, we can benefit from the individual contributions of folks. Or we can suffer from members who are living in known practice sin. It applies to all of us. And this is a truth that cannot be ignored any longer. Avoiding the discussion has lingered way too long in America and from the pulpits of America. That's why we're seeing what we're seeing. I wasn't around, wasn't in the church back then, but I can remember folks talking. I, I can read. I've read some things of people waiting on Jesus to come back when the hippies were running around in the 1960s. Did he show up? He didn't. We said inside of our four walls, took care of ourselves, we're in good shape, everything's good to go, and now what do we got happening? We got stuff happening among us and in among us now that is hindering us and keeping us from growing And I don't know when Jesus is coming back. I believe it's going to be soon. Brother Tomlinson said the same thing in 1906. He believed it was going to be soon. And according to what eternity looks like, I guess if he comes back tomorrow, that is soon for a hundred and some years. But I don't know when he's coming back, and therefore we got to live like he's not coming back for a bit. we got to be ready in case he comes back tonight, but we got to be about his business, and this is a part of his business that so... So it gets avoided. It gets avoided from having those truths. What Paul's talking about with this guy here is actually disfellowshipping people. I've never, since I've been a pastor, disfellowshipped no one. I guess there's probably reason for it, but I just didn't know what to do, how to do. Think about what I'm talking about, folks. I know that it has happened. I've seen the books for this local church right here. Of people that were disfellowshipped, they got right, they come back in. They get disfellowshipped, they come back in. And that's the way it's supposed to be done. That's exactly what he's teaching here is these things have got to be looked at. It's got to be taken into account. And that is so that we can save a soul from death. Otherwise, what happens? They think everything's okay and we're not doing them any favors. The consequences won't go away if we continue to ignore the issues. We're called to be a triumphant church. Sickness, disease, poverty, lack of resources, you name it. All of the works of the enemy should not have power over us. If it does, 
then something is wrong. Me as an individual, us as a family, us as a family here, us in the big scheme of things of the world, something is wrong. We're called to reign and to be full of supernatural power to put heaven's enemies under our feet. And we will do this if we're not afraid to confront the difficult issues. If we're not afraid to ask the questions. If we're not afraid to seek out the answers. If we're not afraid to let the Lord do the work he wants to do. You see, once something gets revealed to us, now we're standing in a place where that fear and trembling comes in of working out your salvation. You understand what I'm talking about tonight? If you're breathing, he's still working. There's still work to be done on you. There's still work to be done on Ken. And we as a body, as a family, we hurt for one another. We pray for one another. We rejoice with one another. We help each other out. Remember I told you last week, the kingdom of God is in you. Folks who argue, but there's one called kingdom of heaven. It ain't here yet. But the kingdom of God is in you now. That's what Jesus said. And in the Lord's prayer, he goes on to tell us, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do we believe that? Things have been watered down for far too long. Things have been let go for far too long. Well, you can't achieve that in this life. Remember I told you the other day, it makes me sick to listen. The only difference between a believer and a sinner is the believer is saved. That's wrong. That's wrong. And we see in this scripture here, Paul tells, hey, this guy's got something going on in his life, and you need to get rid of him. You do it in love, you show him the way. And I believe over in 2 Corinthians, he come back as a different guy. Because he was able to see what Jesus could do. So we're going to close out in prayer tonight. Individual prayer. And we need to be asking God a couple of things. We need to be asking God, number one, help me to be that bold believer. Let the Holy Ghost lead me no matter where it takes me. If I have to lose my head over it, I'll do it. And we also need to be asking, Lord, search me and see if there's any wicked way. Can I tell you, let you know a secret? He don't have to search us. He already knows. He already knows. He just wants to reveal it. And our lives can change. From this day forward, our church can change from this day forward. And that will impact our communities. That will impact our families. That's what we need to do. So, George, give us some prayer music, and we're going to pray for a few more minutes on those subjects right there. And I'll, I'll just get along with yourself. Remember I told you, it's going to take our effort. He wants to do it, but we got to let him. We got to have a want to in us. And we got to let him do it. Otherwise, we cast that warning off. The next time the warning comes, it won't carry the same weight. And there may come a day 
might not be able to come to him. You may not be able to receive that deliverance that you need. That's what we need to do tonight, each and every one of us. Join me in prayer.